The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air, and it's time to do some Monday morning quarterbacking with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach, and former Wildcat signal caller, Freddie Maggard, live from Wild Eggs in Lexington. It's time to send your questions to Freddie. Tweet at Leach Report, or you can email to leachreport at gmail.com. And you can always call toll-free at 877-904-1080. It's all Wildcats, all the time. Served up on the Monday morning quarterback edition of the Leach Report at Wild Eggs. Now, here's Tom and Freddie. Hello, everybody. Welcome into our Shuffle Bean Coffee Monday morning quarterback edition of the Leach Report. This week, we're at the Palomar location of Wild Eggs here in Lexington. I always invite you to uh, stop out for breakfast, brunch, or lunch. They've got an expanded patio here at this location. And um, nice crowd on hand here today as we get set to break down a very disappointing home opening loss for the Wildcats. 42-41 in overtime to the Ole Miss Rebels on Saturday night. Uh, Freddie Maggard is alongside. Um, each week we're uh, trying to work in a former player for one of the segments. Van Hiles is going to join us because I reached out to Van because he played defensive back here and in the NFL. And defensive back play, secondary play was a big issue um, in this game for Kentucky. So if you have some questions for us, send them in. You can uh, tweet uh, tweet my uh, personal account. It's probably the best one to uh, get to us, at TomLeachKY. Uh, or you can email leechreport at gmail.com. Let's get right to the Wildcat news of the day. Kentucky ran for over 400 yards, gained over 550, had three runners, including the quarterback, over 100, yard rushing, 100 yards rushing, two uh, personal bests for Wilson and Rodriguez, and still Kentucky came up short. They won the time of possession, but when Ole Miss had it, uh, it was uh, very, very efficient. And now, through two games, Kentucky ranks 72nd out of 74 in the country in yards per attempt allowed, almost 10 yards per attempt. Uh, Opposing quarterbacks have completed 71% of their passes, and through two games, Kentucky does not have a single takeaway. Uh, Kicking game, obviously, was an issue with the uh, missed extra point there in overtime. Shouldn't have come down to that. Uh, There was also a missed uh, 49-yard field goal. He had a a kickoff early that was um, not high enough for uh, as short as it was, and so Auburn got a big return, or uh, Ole Miss got a big return there. So he had some special teams issues, and then crucial penalties. Uh, Biggest one maybe there in the overtime on the pass interference. Debatable, but, and then um, Kentucky's 13th in the league in uh, penalties through uh, two games, so it has been uh, its own worst enemy. Uh, there, there was another red zone turnover. Obviously, the uh, AJ Rose showboating play there on the first big run for Kentucky. So, uh, a lot to uh, to discuss. Not going to be a pleasant film review, I'm sure, for these players as they go through their meetings early this week. Uh, out of the game, I saw a number yesterday. Terry Wilson, second in the country, according to Pro Football Focus, in terms of his rating for his performance. Uh, Corral, the Ole Miss quarterback, was actually right behind him. At number three. Uh, this week, Kentucky will play Mississippi State. Kentucky's an early three-point favorite. State lost to Arkansas on Saturday after that big smashing debut win over LSU the week before. Uh, Kentucky came out of the game with uh, one 
notable injury that we know of. Cavassier spoke, didn't play in the second half because of a rib injury. So uh, maybe we'll learn today a little more on his status. Coach Stoops talks to the media at noon, and then the radio show comes up tonight at 6 on the U.K. Sports Network. Uh, Miami Heat beat the Lakers. Game 3 of the NBA Finals last night, 115-104. Jimmy Butler was the star for Miami with 40. But Tyler Hero had a big game with 17. Bam Adebayo did not play. Uh, he did a nice job on Anthony Davis, holding him to 15 points in this game. South Carolina over Kentucky in women's soccer, 1-0. And our uh, final Triple Crown update for the year, thanks to uh, Claiborne Farm, doing the usual unusually well for more than 100 years. An impressive win by the Philly Swiss Skydiver, the sixth Philly to win the Preakness. She did it on Saturday, and the ride was the whole story. Um, hope you hope you guys cashed. We gave you a Swiss Skydiver on the show on Friday. Robbie Alvarado, um, one of the top riders in the game until the last few years when his opportunities had diminished, uh, his win record was low, and through some of the COVID-related circumstances, he ends up getting the mount on Swiss Skydiver for the Preakness. And I suspect that's part of the reason why her price drifted up because of what Robbie's numbers are. But Alvarado showed that he still has game. And um, I think I can't remember if I said this Friday or not. I know I told it to a couple of friends of mine that I thought whatever he had left as a jockey, this filly would get because it was like a uh, you know a fighter getting one last unexpected shot at the title. And Robbie Alvarado. Uh, Gave the, the Philly a tremendous ride down along the inside. There was an opening uh, to take the fight to authentic, and I think he sees the moment. Uh, you know, you, in that situation, you could sit there and think, "Well, I'm in a good spot. I'm not going to take a risk here." But the risk was uh, an educated one at that point because of the type of horse that he had under him, and he got her in front, and then she didn't get past. And so, nice uh, performance. And the ride there for Robbie Alvarado and the training job by Kenny McPeak on Swiss Skydiver. Links to the stories that we talk about, you can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We'll head to a break. Freddie Maggard's on site here at the Wild Eggs in Palomar for the Leach Report Radio Network. And it's our Shuffle Bean Coffee Monday morning quarterback show. We'll be right back. Congrats to the uh, team at WKYT-TV. The Ohio Valley Emmy Awards were held, and in the category of uh, for a one-time special uh, for sports, uh, they had an Emmy for their six days till Saturday a feature they did on U.K. football last year. I believe that was around the South Carolina game. They traveled with the team, got a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes access, and uh, did a great job with it. Um, it was uh, Lee K. Howard. Brian Milam, Steve Moss, uh, I know those three were involved, and I know there were others. So uh, uh, Alex Walker I'm seeing on the list here. So congrats to all who uh, were involved. Good job, guys. All right, Freddie Maggard is uh, alongside. Uh, you do the uh, after-action review from your military days of uh, KSR. This one wasn't much fun to write, I'm sure. Uh, it wasn't. It was not much fun to write, but, but in uh, – Actually, it's the part of it was. I mean, Kentucky did a lot of good things against Ole Miss. I mean, you rushed for 408 yards, averaged 7.3 yards per play, uh, 559 total yards on offense. The, the, off- the offensive line, our big blue wall, played extremely well. 
three rushers over 100 yards. Uh, Terry Wilson completed 77% of his passes, and three of those misses were drops, and one was a throwaway, so he could have been 100%. And it just came out that Josh Ali was the second highest graded receiver in the country. So uh, a lot of good things. And then, uh, but it was it was a tale of two halves. In the second half, Ole Miss averaged 8.8 yards per play, and uh, Kentucky uh, uh, lost in overtime. But I, I agree with you; it should have never came down to the Matt Ruffalo kick. Uh, Kentucky had several opportunities to win the football game before that kick, and, and it didn't do so. One thing that that you didn't open up with is Kentucky had five penalties that led to first downs. And, and that that's tough. That's uh, significant. That is significant uh, happening in the game. Especially when when you're having trouble stopping a team, and then you give them five more first downs. <laughs> yeah, and, and then didn't have an answer for Matt Corral. Twenty four, twenty nine, three hundred twenty yards, and four touchdowns. Um, Kentucky the first time I think forced three punts. Uh, so you know you hold them to fourteen points. You yeah. feel good about where you are. If you, um, you you figured I think probably going in. If you're on the Kentucky side, you look at it and you think uh, you are probably going to be able to score, you know, somewhere around 30 or, or better because Ole Miss was struggling defensively too. And if you uh, probably, I'm thinking if you thinking if you hold them under 24, well, at halftime you're on pace to hold them to 28. But in the second half, Ole Miss uh, scored on every possession but one, and the one they didn't score on was they actually thought they did. And on review, it was. Uh, uh, Ruled not a touchdown, and they got a fourth down stop, but immediately after a three and out had to punt it right back to him. So never really stopped them in the second half. What did you see as far as what changed there? Anything Ole Miss did adjustment-wise or Kentucky didn't do? I didn't see a, a major change in what Ole Miss was doing. Uh, Matt Corral, again, we, we talked about his stats, but I thought he was extremely effective moving around in the pocket, scrambling out, getting first downs on – Running the football, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so I mean he, he's he's tough to handle. You know, he, against Florida he did the same thing. So uh, that that is a challenging offense due to the tempo. But then they had those pass catchers: Jonathan Mingo, eight catches, 128 yards. Uh, the tight end Kenny Yaboa, three catches, 81 yards, and a score. And then the SEC's leading receiver Elijah Moore, ten catches, but only for 91 yards, which is a success <laughs> against Ole Miss. But, but the Rebels were extremely successful throwing the football between the hashes. Mm-hmm. So behind the linebackers, in front of the safeties, and at times behind the safeties, and especially on the Yaboa touchdown. Yeah. So Ole Miss went, went to the middle of the field with the play action of the RPOs, and, and that really seemed to hurt Kentucky. Yeah, Yaboa had another big catch on the drive where they actually went ahead after, yeah. after the fourth down sack, set him up at 47. I think the first pass was like a 42-yarder down yeah. the seam mm-hmm. to the tight end. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a heck of a player, but you have to account for him. And, uh, and, and, again, Ole Miss was very successful between the hashes in the middle of the field. And a lot of play action seemed to hurt Kentucky. Uh, didn't force a turnover. Had the red zone fumble. I mean, there, there are some issues on offense and defense. That's why I want to say with, with, the, with the missed extra point is something we're going to talk about forever. People had their eyes on that. Uh, but there were a lot of plays that, I mean, that, that could have went a different way, and Kentucky could have won the game. The other thing on defense that is happening at the moment is they're not forcing any turnovers. Right. Uh, I think like there's nine teams in the country at this point that haven't forced a turnover, and it's it is just two games. But still, um, if you're struggling, Florida 
didn't really stop Ole Miss uh, moving the ball, but they did get some takeaways. And right. Kentucky was unable to do that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at some point in time, you're going to have to have a tip pass for an interception or an interception, force a fumble, a strip sack, something of that nature. Uh, because one of the key things I thought Kentucky was going to have to do to beat Ole Miss was to steal possessions. And how do you do that? You sack the quarterback, you create turnovers, things of that nature. You flip the script and you take away a possession from Ole Miss. You take away one possession in the second half, yeah. Kentucky wins the football game. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, if you And that is the second half was playing out. They, it was clear they, they couldn't stop them. I thought their only hope was going to be if they could a turnover. Yeah, a turnover yeah. to to get the ball back and right. and maybe you get points out of that. But if not, you just keep the ball away from them for a while. Exactly. And then Terry Wilson had had a potential tough touchdown pass that was dropped in the end zone. Yeah, which uh, led, which was on the series that sequence I think where they ended up missing the field goal. Exactly. Yeah, Terry had a linebacker blitz. The linebacker hit him in the chest. He had to throw the football off his back leg, but it was catchable in the end zone. You have you got to make those, yeah. You got to make those catches. Yeah, uh, a couple of uh, drops for big plays. Yeah, threw yeah. The ball down the field uh, where that was a post pattern. You had the other one like a back shoulder fade on the yeah, side. Yeah, back shoulder fade. Both would have been huge big gains yeah. that were nullified by drops. Yeah, we talked about Kentucky had to get chunk plays or explosive mm-hmm. plays in the passing game. Those were two that were dropped that, that would have helped because Josh Ali had a 28-yard catch and then uh, Akeem Hayes had a 24-yard catch. Other than that, Kentucky didn't have a ch- many chunk or any chunk plays past 20 yards. Got to get to a break. Freddie Maggard's on site. It's the Shuffle Bean Coffee Monday morning quarterback edition of the Leach Report. And we'll be right back. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. We're back with Freddie Maggard here on our Shuffle Bean Coffee Monday morning quarterback edition of the Leach Report. We're on location at the Wild Eggs in Palomar. They've got expanded uh, patio seating here and in the uh, Hamburg location as well during these uh, times when indoor uh, dining is uh, restricted to, I think it's 50% capacity still. Uh, Ben tweets in a question for you, Freddie. Did the secondary change from last year, or have they believed too much uh, I guess in the hype from last year, not able to get the stops. Not changed a lot. The vast majority of personnel is back. Uh, Devontae Robinson played more snaps against Ole Miss than he did Auburn. Having him back and comfortable and at 100% is going to be something that Kentucky needs going forward, especially against Mississippi State with all those underneath crossing routes that, that Mike Leach likes to run. Uh, but, but, no, it's, it's, personnel-wise, it's not changed a bit. Uh, from Corey, will you see more? Will we see more zone coverage this weekend, given the success that Arkansas had against Mississippi State uh, and our struggles this year in uh, man-to-man slash press coverage? I think Kirk Herbstreit on ESPN was talking about the fact after Week One that LSU played a, a lot of man-to-man lot. and State kept getting open. Yeah, you don't play man-to-man against Mississippi State or Mike Leach offense now at Mississippi State due to the crossing routes. I mean, you can get lost in the in the wash back there. Uh, so Arkansas effectively show that you play zone against this and you can be effective for four turnovers. Uh, 
KJ Costello only threw for 300 and something yards. I mean, only, but I mean, compared to the 600 something he put up against LSU, who, who, who stuck with man coverage, which was confusing to me. That zone, I mean, it was typical with Washington and Washington State in the, in the Apple Bowl or whatever it's called out there. Uh, Washington State played that three, three, three defensive lineman, dropped eight in the zone, and was very effective against Mike Leach at Washington State. Uh, I remember when Coach Mummy first came here, he was asked about uh, you know the issue of, of sacks when you're going to be throwing that much. Yeah, he said it wouldn't be a problem, and uh, people pressed him on it. He said because they were going to do a lot of three-step drops. You weren't going to have time. Right. Uh, and we've seen a good bit of that in the first two weeks of the two quarterbacks Kentucky's played. So you you try to get up in their face and disrupt them a little bit and then realize they're going to throw, when they're taking that quick drop, they're throwing underneath stuff, yeah. short stuff. You keep it in front of you. You make the tackle. It's that's, the yards after contact it. that kill you. Yeah, you make the tackle. you got to make the tackle because Arkansas did that extremely well at that, came up, made the tackle in the crossing routes and, and one thing you want to do uh, against the air raid is present a front that makes Mississippi State run the football uh, because you count defenders Costello will count the defenders in the box etc and that automatically checks to a run the more Mississippi State runs the more success ratio Kentucky will have so you do that with just your alignment your alignment yeah absolutely but you play zone you, you, tackling in space is an absolute must uh, because Mississippi State has receivers that are averaging 18 yards a catch, 20 yards a catch. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of yards after catch. You know, in, in just thinking back, uh, going back and watch Saturday's game, and not, but in terms of contested catches, don't recall a lot of them in this no. game. These guys were too that open. Yeah, I, there, there were very few um, zero pass breakups. So yeah, there was a lot, there was not a lot of contested catches for Ole Miss. Uh, just. Speaking of what Freddie's talking about with how Arkansas played uh, Mississippi State versus how LSU played them, this speaks to your question, Corey. Um, yards per attempt, 10.4 against LSU for Mississippi State. Yards per attempt, 5.5 against yeah, Arkansas. Absolutely. We are uh, halfway home on this edition of the Shuffle Bean Coffee Monday Morning Quarterback Show for the Leach Report. We're on location today at the Wild Eggs in Palomar. Well, we have guests on the show like Van Hiles, who's coming up. They will come to us via the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. And when we come back, former Kentucky DB Van Hiles will join the program. We'll chat with him about some issues that the Kentucky secondary is having when we return on the Leach Report Radio Network. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. It's the Shuffle Bean Coffee Monday morning quarterback edition of the Leach Report at Wild Eggs in Palomar. Former Kentucky QB Freddie Maggard uh, with me on these shows every Monday. And we like to bring a former player in for a segment as well and uh, reached out to a guy who played in the secondary here and in the NFL. Uh, with uh, being that being Van Hiles to uh, talk a little bit about some of the secondary issues for Kentucky. So, Van, thank you for joining us here on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Tell me what you see as far as what the uh, issues Kentucky's having with their secondary right now. The secondary issues are relatively simple. We have poor eye discipline and poor leverage. We are giving up the inside too consistently on – um, on man-to-man routes. 
And you you cannot the easy, Freddie knows the easiest pass for a quarterback is the shorter distance across the middle, and we are consistently giving up inside leverage, which is unexplainable and unacceptable for a corner to consistently do that. What I I was talking, several people asked me about it when I was at a Keeland yesterday, and I uh, I said I don't have the uh, the football. Uh, background of the you know you and Freddie guys like that have to to uh, get that deep in in the knowledge. I said, in a very superficial level, it seems like it's it would be either one of two things that uh, you're asked you either you're asking guys to do something they can't do, which case you'd have to make some changes to your your scheme or, or your approach, or you it's guys that aren't uh, doing what they are coached to do, and then you have to clean that up. And it sounds like it's more the latter. I will say this. In every aspect, even if you go to high school, coaches coach the basics. And the basics are simple. Stay inside on man-to-man. Every coach teaches that. It's, it's hard for a player because sometimes you get into a zone. And the thing about it is people tend to forget, if you're on an eight-play drive, it is very difficult for a corner to be focused on every play. Because not every play is coming to you. That's the most difficult thing about being, playing corner. It's like playing outfield in baseball. You could be out there for two innings in, in a row and never get a ball to you. But if you're not paying attention to the crack of the bat or what pitch is being pitched, and you miss it, and the ball can go over your head in a heartbeat. And that's the same thing as corner. You have to be focused on all 70-plus plays, and that's difficult. And we are not doing that. And it's not an athletic thing. It's not an ability thing. It's two things, and it's very simple to fix. But we got to fix it quickly. It's eye discipline and stand and maintaining leverage. Make the quarterback throw the fade. The fade is the hardest throw to complete. The slant is the easiest throw to complete. Freddie? Off game, first of all. I don't know if I got you. heard you. Hey, Van, it's Freddie. How are you? Yes, sir. How's your golf game? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, is that good, huh? Um, no, the golf game is great. Okay. <laughs> from from your tweets, I'd say your barbecue game is pretty strong, too. Well, well, my barbecue game has always been strong. The golf game is, has, has, has ebbs and flows to it. <laughs> Uh, Van, talk about this week coming up with Mississippi State. We saw LSU play a lot of man-to-man coverage and gets torched for 600-and-something yards, and it takes a loss. And then Arkansas plays zone, three-down linemen, and and drop eight in in zone coverage, come up, tackle extremely well. Uh, Talk about the advantages of zone versus man against the air raid offense. The advantage of zone is simple. Well, there's two things I'm going to say about Mississippi State. First, Mississippi State doesn't have elite receivers. That's the first thing. LSU made them elite by playing man the whole game and not adjusting. The advantage of zone is all eyes on the quarterback, and you can break when it's when his lead hand comes off the ball. So, therefore, you in, 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 you should be able to make the offense keep snapping the ball. They're going to complete some passes. But you should be able to come up and get a good hit, make those receivers start filling that 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 pad, that plastic on them. And the next time they come across, they might think about it. The advantage of zone is all eyes on the quarterback. And when all eyes on the quarterback, you can break on all balls. And when you break on all balls, you should be able to make a tackle and literally another down. 
I got another question for you, Van. Talk about the 50-50 balls in, in the back shoulder fades and, 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 and shots to the end zone. What is the proper technique for a, for a corner that's one-on-one with, with a receiver in the end zone as far as a back shoulder fade or, or high-pointing the ball? Well, two things. First of all, a couple of those touchdowns came on slant. Eccles gave up one and Joseph gave up one. I think they were both Domingo, too. And that's unacceptable. The back shoulder fade is the thing about it is you have to have contact with the receiver. You cannot get beat. Once you get beat and you're chasing, you're pretty much in their control. But you should be able to play hands. When when the last one on, on Joseph in the end zone, he's got to be patient and play hands. The worst thing to do is to be impatient as a corner. The worst thing. Because the thing about it is that quarterback has to make that pass perfect, right? If he underthrows it, then it's not a perfect pass, and you're in position. But you got to be patient. You have to read hands. You have to read eyes. And we're not doing a very good job of it. And I guarantee you we're coached on that. That's basic DB knowledge is hands, eyes get big, throw your hands up. We should not be running through receivers. When you see him slow down, you slow down. Because you're playing, uh, your cue is his eyes and his eyes get big or his hands go up, right? Exactly. And another, you, so for example, the, the back shoulder fade, the thing about the back shoulder fade is you have to get your body into the receiver and press him to the sideline. If your body is into the receiver and you feel him pressing against you, then you turn. It's, it's, I'm, I'm making it sound easy. It's not the easiest thing to do, but you got to get your body into the receiver. And in college, there's no five-yard chuck rule. So you can keep, you can be physical all the way down the field. Van, Mark Stoops is known as one of the better defensive back coaches in college football for a long time. Stephen Kleinscale has done a tremendous job uh, coaching the secondary. I know it struggled this year. How uncomfortable will that film room be today? <laughs> well, I don't know the temperament of clean scale, but I tell you this, if Coach Rick Smith, my coach, was in the locker room, it wouldn't be a good day. I just say that. Because, honestly, it's not even just those plays. There are plays that lead up to that. Uh, for example, I think on the uh, on the Joseph one, Mingo, to, to make it 35-28, uh, Corker or Devontae made a bad I just knew it was horrible on your ball to get a free 20, 30 yards to put us in that position. So it's like we always look. I'm going to tell you, at corner, you're going to get scored on, guys. That's that's the hardest thing for fans to understand. At corner, the other guys are going to score. So Smith told me the best thing he ever told me, one of the best things is those other guys are on scholarship too. Those other guys are great athletes and got to their college because they have great ability. You're going to get beat. It's just inevitable. The thing about it is there are plays that lead up to that that shouldn't have happened. And if we take care of those plays, then they wouldn't be in position to make the end of the game plays that they made. Yeah, I was just talking with our producer off the air about uh, we're both uh, baseball fans and uh, talking about that Reds-Braves first game last week where you kind of just felt if, if you get the Reds pitcher the way he was going, just one run, uh, they were going to win the game. Find a way to get one run. Uh, and you know, a lot of these drives, you know, Ole Miss is obviously is, they've got some they've got a good quarterback, good receivers, as you say, guys that are on scholarship too. 
got to make a play somewhere along the way because if you get just one stop, one turnover in the second half, it was going to be enough. Right. I, and, and I'm watching the second half for the first time. Um, the, great, the greatest thing happened to me this weekend my daughter had a birthday. So I didn't watch the game live. It's like the third and eight or nine we had when we missed a field goal. The play before that, we dropped a touchdown pass. Yeah. If we if we catch that ball, the game is totally different. So it's yeah, like I mean, that we, that play that's one play that probably wins the game because you get seven points there, you keep your advantage, and uh, that that there's going to be when they look at this tape, guys. A lot of those what this one play would have been enough. This one stop. This one catch. And, so again, and that kind of goes back to a lot more than the kicker. Exactly. This this game goes to I know. Everybody as fans look at the last play, but you got to look at the whole story. You can't look at just the end. There's a lot of chapters to the story, and there were a lot of pages that we either skipped <laughs> or we tore because there were plays in this game that made the difference that were not the flash plays that everybody recalls. This game was easy in our hands. It's easy in our hands. We have to make the plays that are given to us. We plan an all-SEC conference schedule. The margin of error for everyone is small. And when the play comes to you, we got to step up and make the play. We have receivers that have to step up to the level of Josh Ali. There's too many runs between him and the next level. we got to get a guy to come up to his level or close or close as possible. Very good point. That 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 gap is all those other guys in the receiving room need to see that there's an opportunity there. This is uh, to to make your move because nobody's doing it at the moment behind Josh uh, Van. Thank you much for joining us. No problem. I appreciate you having me. See you, Van. Uh, former Kentucky right, DB, you, so gave us some uh, great insight on uh, the secondary issues that Kentucky's having. We'll get to our break. Van, join us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. We're on location at the Wild Eggs in Palomar, and we'll be right back. Find out more about the voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. All right, we're back. It's the Shuffle Bean Coffee Monday morning quarterback edition of the Leach Report. Cats uh, let one slip away is the easy, is the nice way to say it on Saturday against Ole Miss, 42-41 in overtime. A lot of questions coming in. We'll get to uh, some of those here for Mr. Maggard from Gene. Why doesn't uh, someone teach the uh, teach them to uh, center the ball to someone under center? That'll be obviously Terry, and uh, have a big back push over the goal line or, or for a first down when it's short yardage needed. Why pull a guard on the goal line? Well, Terry tried that against Auburn and, and got stopped. I mean, plus his knee. I don't know if you want to take a chance with that at the goal line because there's a lot of traffic and a lot of bodies flying all over the place. And, and Kentucky's been successful pulling. I mean, Terry had a big play on an on a RPO, cut it back behind the pulling guard and gained 20-plus yards. But on the, on the end, in the end zone, Kentucky is a shotgun team and it needs to stay with what it's familiar with. And when you got Chris Rodriguez back there, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a load, 225 pounds. He's tough to tackle. Um. From one of our listeners, not a name on this, but just says Ruffalo should be benched. I suspect he will be this week, but he was last season, and then he ended up getting the, the job back. 
because they've had issues. They have uh, their two guys have not been able to uh, get to the point. I'm sure of, of complete trust from the coaches. I think Matt was was came into the season pretty close to that spot. Yeah. Now he's you know given a, given away that equity, if you will. Yeah. And um, it'll. Uh, it kind of feels like at the moment it's going to go back and forth, and that affects decision-making, I'm sure, for a coach. Yeah, absolutely, and I think Coach Stoops said something about that after the game. That he, he said they open up the competition. Yeah, he's going to open up the competition. Uh, but but Ruffalo finished last year very well. Had, a, had a great uh, uh, belt bowl. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so he Hit the crucial, the, what was the game-winning extra point. Really. Absolutely. And then uh, had a key field goal in that game. Um so he and Chance Poor have had uh, good moments and uh, bad moments at yeah. this point, and um, yeah, that we it just serves to underscore you know what uh, how comforting a guy like Austin McGinnis was oh, man. as a coach that yeah. you know anytime you got somewhere around the the thirty five you could count on three points. Yeah, I mean you know as a, as a former quarterback, you know having a kicker like we have with Kenny Willis who went on yeah. to kick for the Cowboys. Uh, you didn't have to, to to have a magical play on third down. Sometimes getting back to the line of scrimmage or a throw throwaway in a red zone was okay because you knew Kenny Willis was going to make the field go. So it's it's a, it's a comfort level uh, for a quarterback and for a head coach. Dylan sends in a question, which I don't get, but I'll ask it of you nevertheless. At this point, is it time for a quarterback change? Absolutely not. Terry Wilson, 14 of 18 for 151 yards. was nearly perfect with three drop passes and throw away. Wilson is second in in the SEC in the rushing category, six in total offense. And he was rated second in PFF and quarterbacks in the entire country. Of Kentucky's 559 yards, Terry Wilson accounted for 298 total yards. So I think uh, Kentucky has the right quarterback under center. And I thought Terry played a really good ball game. I thought he looked more decisive. Uh, I saw what I wanted to see uh, from week one to week two for a guy who you wondered, you know, was there some rust? Yeah. You know, hadn't played in a long time. thought his runs were more decisive than at Auburn, more yeah. physical. Uh-huh. Uh, and he uh, threw the ball very well. He, he did. And then look at the middle eight. Kentucky scored on its last drive in the second quarter. And Terry managed the clock perfectly on that. Then Kentucky comes out and scores on his first drive in the third quarter. So to go up 28-14, Ole Miss countered with two quick scoring drives. It only took two minutes and 54 seconds off the clock. But uh, I thought Terry did a really good job managing the clock on that late second quarter touchdown drive. Very good on the last drive when they yeah. had to have seven to tie and overcome a big penalty. Yeah. It was a grounding penalty, but... I uh, thought there was a guy over there. I mean, obviously he was throwing the ball away, but yeah. usually they give you the benefit of the doubt if there's somebody there. Um, but they overcame that, scored. The the one thing you would coach him up on this week is on that fourth down play, uh, don't take the sack. Right. Now, they were on him about the time the ball got there, but still in a fourth down there, you protect 12 yards if you just throw it away. If they call grounding, so be it. It's, no, it's the equivalent of the sack. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the defender was in his face basically as he, as he got the uh, got the snap. And he could have been looking for Josh Ali, but, you know, the, the Ole Miss coaches get paid too. They understand that Josh Ali is Kentucky's main and, and, and primary pass catcher. Uh, nine, nine catches again this week. So uh, if he's not there, it's tough. But it was hard to, to have time to react with a defender flashes in your face immediately. 
We'll get to uh, our final break and come back and have one more segment here on our Shuffle Bean Coffee Monday Morning Quarterback Show. It's the Leach Report from the Wild Eggs in Palomar. It's our final segment of the Leach Report on location at the Wild Eggs in Palomar here with Freddie Maggard. We were just chatting off the air, and Freddie was talking about what the week's going to be like for these guys. I mean, it, it's worse than your day because of social media where you're uh, going to hear it um, from uh, from fans. Um, I'm sure uh, Matt Ruffalo's uh, social media uh, accounts were not pleasant to, to look at yeah. on Saturday night, which is unfortunate, but it is, it is what it is. You've, as a player... That's you got that, but you can maybe you know you can choose to tune that out if you want to, or you you say you're used to it or whatever. Your coaches aren't going to make life too much pleasant too pleasant in those meeting rooms. I, I'd say today's going to be a rough day at the facility. Uh, I, I can see uh, uh, Mark Stoops really getting after him today, uh, and then after that, they're going to you know they're going to hear the chatter from some from some fans. Unfortunately, it's the it's the one percent that that that's going to uh, going to make it pretty tough on these players, and and it's going to be a rough week for them. Uh, hopefully, that will motivate them. We're going to have to have some leaders step up. I know Josh Paschal does a tremendous job on the defensive side, and and he'll step up and and he will work with uh, his teammates. And then Luke Fortner on the offensive side, you know, and other guys, Drake Jackson, Landon Young, Terry Wilson. Uh, but but Tom, I thought the offense played sur- surpassed the goal of playing winning football. I, I thought uh, got to get that defense shored up, especially with uh, with the air raid coming in Saturday. I remember uh, I heard Josh Pascal make some comment referencing uh, something Luke Fortner apparently said in the exactly. locker room about you know the, we knew we were going to face adversity. I think of Andre Woodson uh, supposedly a talk that he made in the locker room in the wake of a forty nine nothing loss at LSU in yeah. two thousand six when it looked at, at, at one of the darkest moments and they turned that around dramatically. So two games in, there's still time. Thank you, Freddie. Thanks, Tom. Freddie Bagger joining us here on Mondays on the Shuffle Bean Coffee Monday Morning Quarterback Edition of the Leach Report. Thanks we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time right here on the